Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a great day to say these words, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's a great day because it's Easter and because we celebrate the historical, magnificent resurrection of God's Son three days after being crucified in payment for the sins of the whole world. It's a great day, and I really do mean it when I say grace and peace be extended from God to you wherever this video finds you. You know, as we gather today, I want to read to you from Mark chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 8, a passage of scripture that is filled with fear and will lead us into some critical questions about who Jesus is, what Jesus has accomplished for us on Easter, on especially that first Easter. First of all, listen in as I read from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you, before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. They were too frightened. These women who had loved and served Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, they were scared to death. We can go into the psychology of it all. We can talk about the nature of that first Easter morning, the gore of seeing their, their son, their friend, their savior crucified on a cross three days earlier, the post-traumatic stress that must have ensued as they went through the rhythms of Saturday in view of preparing the body on that first day of the week in the Jewish tradition. Sunday was the first day of the week for a proper burial and out of the borrowed tomb in which they had originally placed Jesus. The women were frightened. And today, as we get into this text, and as we launch into Easter, as we rise and shine, which is our Easter sermon series here at Shepherd of the Desert here in Scottsdale, as we rise and shine, I want to get behind, though, what may have caused that fear in terms of their faith. And I want to share with you a lesson I learned very early in my Christian walk. And that was a question, really a set of questions around the nature of the claims which are made in Scripture. Claims which Jesus made and claims which his apostle followers, his disciples made about him after he died and rose bodily from the grave. And these three questions are really quite simple. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Was he crazy? Or was he actually the Lord 
the Son of God and the Savior of mankind? I want you to think about those three questions today because whenever we confront the biblical witness of Jesus' death and resurrection, it is always built around the rhythm of those three questions. And history imposes on the church constant pressure to say yes to two of those questions in order that history may be relieved of responsibility of saying yes to the most important one of those questions. The first question is, was Jesus a liar? And by extension, were those who followed him, were they liars? Did they know, in fact, did Jesus know, in fact, that he was not the Son of God? Did they know that, in fact, he did not die for the sins of the world? Did they know that he did not physically rise from the grave three days after being crucified? And knowing that truth, they perpetuated a lie upon the rest of history. I'm mindful that liars don't like to be punished. I'm mindful that liars don't like to get caught. And when caught in a lie, to suffer for the lie. They want to get out from underneath the guilt, the shame, the punishment as fast as they can. I'm reminded that if Jesus was a liar and he knew he was lying, it would be an awfully illogical thing for him to do, to go to the cross, to die for the sins of the world in hope of a physical, miraculous resurrection. I'm mindful that if his disciple, apostle, followers knew that he was lying, knew that he had not risen bodily from the grave, had not actually seen him, that they too, who many suffered a martyr's death, were tortured and crucified for this faith that they said was true, I'm mindful that it is unlikely that they would have gone through that trial and torture and sacrificial death for a church that was built on a lie. You see, my brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is, at least for me, I learned early on that it's highly unlikely that what happened in Scripture was a set of bald-faced lies. Which raises the second question, which history has imposed upon the church, and that is, well, they, they may not have been lying, but they were clearly crazy. Uh, Jesus believed that he was the Messiah, and therefore in his lunacy, in his sociopathy, psychopathy, he voluntarily went to the cross. And by extension, the followers of Jesus, they too were lunatics. And they too perpetuated that lunacy, which was an untruth. And, and they willingly went to their own martyr's death because of that lunacy. I'm mindful that the Apostle Paul writes from this lunacy when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than five hundred of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of the apostles." My point is, it doesn't sound like lunacy. 
And even if some were crazy, if some were detached from reality, if some were mentally compromised, it's hard to believe over 500 people were. And in that lunacy, they perpetuated the false claim, the fake news, that Jesus was alive. Which leaves us for the last question. If he wasn't a liar and if he wasn't a lunatic, is it tenable, is it possible, is it probable that he was in fact the Lord of heaven and earth? When I was in college, I um, had grown up in the Christian church. I had learned all the Bible stories. I was confirmed. I wore the gold LeMay choir robe for the junior choir at Peace Lutheran Church in uh, Morris, Illinois. I, I had gone through everything, and, and I believed. I believed. In my heart of hearts, if you asked me, would I go to heaven because Jesus died for my sins, I probably would have told you yes. But Upstairs mentally, I was growing more and more detached from the Christian faith until two people stopped at my door, or Doug McMurrin and Rick Pratt, and, and they asked me, you know, do you believe in Jesus? And, and I said yes, and, and then they took me through a conversation simply called liar, lunatic, or Lord. And by the end of that conversation, when I was in my early days of college, I was ready to say, you know what, you're right. It's illogical that they all could have been liars. It's untenable that they all could have been lunatics. It's more likely that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord of heaven and earth. Which, by the way, is why Paul writes a little later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, you are still guilty of your sins. And in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more pitiful than anyone in the world. It's Paul's way of saying everything rises and falls on the historical work of Jesus Christ, certainly on the cross, but particularly in the resurrection. It's in the resurrection that Jesus Christ proclaims and clarifies that he is in fact the Lord of heaven and earth. It is by referring back to the resurrection again and again and again through the book of Acts that the apostles, the early church, anchor themselves to the truth that this guy was not a liar, they are not lunatics, but he is in fact the Lord of heaven and earth. There is something more going on in this world than just the stuff we eat, the places we go, the time we spend. There's something more going on in this world because there is something, someone more beyond. I'm fond of the story I learned several years ago about medieval cartography, uh, medieval map making. And in a time when so many, especially within the church, believed the earth to be flat, at the edges of the flat map that you know, essentially had Europe and Asia and Africa as the centerpiece of the entire physical reality that we live in. Around the border of the map, at its edges, was the Latin phrase, ne plus ultra. Nothing more beyond. It was the way by which people were told that if you walk to this edge of the map, you will simply fall off. Or, or something else will happen, I don't know what. And then Columbus, 
Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And he went off the side of the map. And he found a whole new world. And he came back to tell people about it. And in telling people about it, he changed the course of history. We live by a very specific map built on our sin, our shame, our guilt. Sometimes we get so stuck in in what we bear on our spiritual shoulders that we forget there is something more beyond this map of our life. And that something, someone more beyond, the God and Father of of us all, that God and Father of us all has given us a map by which to chart our course back to him. The Lord Jesus Christ, neither a liar nor a lunatic, but the one who absorbed our sins on the cross into his sinless, perfect life. And by his resurrection, opened to us the way of eternal life. My brothers and sisters, this Easter, I would simply ask you to ask yourself those three questions. You may already know the answer before you get to the third one. But nevertheless, do I really think that he would be a liar? Do I think that they're all lunatics? No. Do I believe he's the Lord of my life, my personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. And then with me, to recommit yourself to rise and shine. As this world reopens after a decisively deathly pandemic, that you would say as a Christian, that you would say as Christ's church, we're ready to go again. We've sheltered in place in this pandemic long enough. It's time to come back to church. It's time to take up the cross. It's time to get back into mission. It's time to be found truthful and wise and in our right minds about who is, in fact, the Lord of our lives. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.